Welcome to Inner Beauty Code. I'm your host, Rachel Fialco, a psychology master student, makeup artist, and yoga teacher. Join me weekly on a journey of self-discovery, exploring psychology, wellness, spirituality, beauty, and beyond. Let's dive in. Hello, you guys, and welcome to the Inner Beauty Code. Today's guest is a professional surfer. Her name is Anastasia Ashley. She started surfing at age five and has been surfing ever since and traveled all around the world doing competitions and surfing her whole life. Did a lot of other exciting things that I'm going to let her fill you in on. Anastasia, hello and welcome. Hi, thanks for welcoming me. Yeah, you are so welcome. Yeah, I know. Super stoked to chat with you. I know we've been friends for a while, so this is pretty fun. It's just like having a conversation between friends. So pretty, pretty cool that we get to to record. (laughs) I know. And honestly, we started this with a time limit. So for us on a, on a phone call can be hours, like three, four hours long. So we'll try to keep it short this time, but I want to kind of take everyone through your history a little bit and how you got into surfing, a little bit about your career and all the exciting things that followed that. So we'll, you know, go step by step. Tell us how you started surfing. Yeah. So for me, I grew up in Hawaii on the North Shore and surfing was just everywhere. It was not a trendy place when I lived there. Surfing was like not really the coolest sport. I always thought it was cool, but I was just always really drawn to it. And I thought it was kind of like an extreme kind of like counterculture vibe. And so I was like, I want to be a surfer. And I didn't really know how or why. And I actually started surfing, finding like a board on the beach that was just like in a trash can. And a lot of the locals and older pro surfers actually at the time were like pretty nice and like welcoming in the community. And they were like, oh, you want to learn how to surf? Like, here's some tips. So that's how I started, which is pretty interesting when I think about it, because I'm like, wow, like these people changed my life that were like strangers, you know, basically, and gave me some skills to kind of really start surfing and learn. And then I fell in love with it. I competed for probably over like 20 years. I started competing when I was like five. I still compete here and there selectively, but not really in the last five years, but I seriously, like I was dedicated to it for like over 20 years. So I feel like I've lived multiple lives. And then from that, like, you know, obviously to my career now, I competed, traveled around the world, really grinded it out. You know, a lot of my early career was very hard and like not glamorous at all. (laughs) If anything, it was really rough. And so from that too, like I kind of was doing a lot of things that my job now entails, like doing content, doing videos, doing promotions, doing sponsors. And so like when social media kind of happened, I was always like pretty nerdy and techie. Like I had a blog back in like you know, early 2000s. I was in like AOL chat rooms. I was on Twitter really early. And I always loved the internet because it was always like, I could talk to people that I didn't know, like straight up. I was like, oh, this is like really weird and cool at the same time. And like, I was pretty nerdy, even though I was like an athlete. I was like, oh, this is like, you know, 
so cool. Like I probably would have gone into computers or something if I didn't, or computer science, if I didn't do what I do now. And yeah. And so from that, I started doing social media pretty early and sharing just like my career as a surfer, which was like a lot of travel, a lot of nice beaches, a lot of cool places that like a lot of people don't really go to at the time. And so it just was really organic. And like, obviously, when I started doing social media, there wasn't really like money in it. There wasn't an influencer career path. There wasn't anything. So for me, it was just like, oh, like here I am competing, showing my career basically online. And then it started to kind of take off. And I realized I'm like, oh, a lot of people started recognizing me and not even realizing I surf. They just thought I was like a girl on the beach. They're like, oh, I know you from your travels and stuff. And I was like, wait, you don't know that I surf? And they're like, no, we know you from Instagram. So when that happened, I kind of realized like, okay, this is something this is going to be a big thing. Yeah. And then around that same time, I kind of had stepped back a little bit from competing and doing more just like brand work and stuff with my sponsors. And it kind of just organically kind of turned into doing, which is now like more or less like a lot of brand creator, content creation, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's kind of crazy because I've done that for like 20 years, but I used to do it surf magazines and like surf videos and stuff like that, which was like way harder in a way because I always competed against the guys. There wasn't a lot of girl media. So from that, it kind of just organically turned into like this whole other, what I would call second career. career. Yeah. It's been a, been a wild ride. I know. And I loved watching it and I like met you already far into it. But you've said so much there that I wanted to, you know, go back, rewind a little bit and touch on. So just the the start of how you started surfing, I find it still so cool how people come into your life, right? And like you said, change your life. And it's so unexpected. And I just think about that and about your history and how like, who knows, maybe if no one on the beach was ever, you know, any of those people those guys on the beach were nice to you. Like who knows how it could have shaped your life. But the fact that it literally became your life from that point on is just wild that the stars aligned and put you in Hawaii on a beach with, with a group of people that were willing to help you that now led to everything that you've done. So I find that to be so cool. Just how you got your start to begin with. Yeah, it pretty It's pretty crazy to think about because, again, where I grew up in Hawaii was not a luxurious place at the time. Now it is. (laughs) It's become a really cool uh, vacation spot, but it was like very common practice that like there was no professional um, careers. There was no one went to college. It was like a lot of people were dealing drugs and doing drugs and like it was a crime and like that was very normal like the environment that I grew up in and so yeah like I think for me being in sports and finding a sport super early like kept me out of a lot of trouble too and it kept Mm -hmm. me really focused and like not even like I didn't even have time to like want to be a bad (laughs) yeah 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 so 
But um, yeah, it is kind of crazy when I think about like, you know, I guess it was like a chance encounter. I don't know if it's like also a bit of like, you know, skill with luck, because again, like these people saw that I had something that they wanted to Mm -hmm. help me with. But I think it's pretty cool. And I think at least for me, like a lot of what I do now or like what I enjoy to do is actually like kind of pay it forward and and help people when I can. And so like, I love giving people like free advice or like help them out or like tell them again, my advice sometimes could be good. Sometimes could be bad, but whenever (laughs) people kind of come to me, you know, because I think that is something that you can change someone's life that might not mean much to you. Even the people who gave me some tips and pointers, like probably they went on in their lives and whatever. But for me, it was like a really big deal. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And then being, like you said, a kid growing up in that area too, I know you mentioned just how surfing, you know, obviously changed your life and shaped like your life path. Because then I know you had mentioned to me before about how you started winning competitions and being able to like earn money to then go travel. And I mean, I know it wasn't easy. And like back then it was you know, you had to spend the money that you earned to be able to go to the next competition kind of thing, right? And then, yeah, be able to travel. So I don't know if you want to get into that. And yeah, so when I started competing, it was very much so, you know, you're going to use the prize money from this event to get to the next event. And something that I learned from that also was to be very nifty with my money when it came to traveling and really learn how to make a community and make friends. And this was again to like in the early 2000s when there was no real like mobile phones, you know, there was no uh, kayaks. Social no, media. <laughs> no, no uh, you know, you were printing out MapQuest kind of vibe. And mm-hmm. you know, so like, the traveling aspect then was just really, really, really hard in general. And for me, like, again, a lot of the surf breaks were in these like really remote places. So I would often even times like get to this place and like, be like, I wasn't old enough to rent a car. So I had to like, figure out like, who was going to the event, who like, maybe was older, who had a car or like, asking like within the surfer network of like, okay, do you have any like friends or family in this town? Like anyone I can stay with? And it would be, you know, I learned to get pretty creative. I would sleep oftentimes like in my board bag, like, you know, if someone had like a floor, I was like fine with that because again, it would save me money that I could like just put back into my career. So it's funny because now I do, and I work in a lot of luxury travel and I do a lot of really amazing trips and people are like, wow, you've been traveling your whole life. And I'm like doing these awesome things. I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm like, actually before social media um yeah I was uh sleeping on the ground oftentimes in like shacks and you know I've slept on the beach I've slept camp to go to an event like you name it I've probably done it and so I am very grateful now that like I there is a a travel industry that supports athletes and influencers and all kinds of stuff to do really nice travel and that I've been able to 
I can comfortably say I've probably stayed in some of the nicest and worst hotels in the world, like straight up. <laughs> I like, believe I you. That star and I've been to like the negative five star, like where like I would not <laughs> wish my enemy to go there. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So I want to talk about your social media career because even, I don't know, I think I've known you seven years now, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. And ever, I remember even when I met you, it was just around that time, like social media, the, the influencer thing that we knew, know it to be now was just like barely scratching the surface of beginning. And I remember all of our interactions and you telling me about what you were doing at the time or what, you know, you needed to do for work or being able to negotiate with brands. And I always found you to be a, like you had an amazing work ethic and a, a very savvy business person to be able to do all of these things. And I guess that comes with a lot of experience. So tell us about how all the media that you did prior to being an influencer, like you've been in Sports Illustrated, Maxim, Shape, Cosmopolitan, Barstool Sports, a ton of different magazines and shows and TV stuff. So let's talk about that pre-social media influencer scene and maybe give us like a few highlights that you really loved doing or maybe some things you didn't love doing prior to becoming big on social media. So from surfing, I would say that like surfing's always been this interesting thing in the media in general, that people, it's not the most followed sport. It's not the biggest sport, but it's one of the coolest sports. And so mm -hmm. from that, you know, I think there's always been a place in like media for it, where it's like, even if you look at like a lot of big companies advertising, it's like always like a girl with a surfboard on the beach and surfing is yeah. just like photogenic and from doing like media and stuff like before social media like I was on like MTV reality shows I did like traditional magazines like I did FHM even like when I was like 18 years old like mm -hmm. crazy stuff like that which like at the time were big deals like I mean I remember like when I was yeah. like oh my god I'm gonna be an FHM magazine and I was like still like barely out of high school it was like that those media forms were so big then now it's interesting because like a lot of the bigger medias are like like it's like okay yeah if you're on their instagram that's almost better than the cooler. yeah 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 or like you more people see it and it's just kind of like the way the media is kind of transition but I think from doing all that stuff, it gave me just like on camera experience because like I didn't grow up being a model or talking on camera or being in front of a camera. Like it wasn't something that really didn't come that naturally to me. Like it actually took time and it still is taking time. Like I'm still like, oh my gosh, like do I sound weird? You know, am I not like pronouncing words properly am I not sounding smart like these are all certain things that like you go through when you're like on camera a bunch I feel like and for some people it's very natural and for me it, it wasn't so I think doing all the pre stuff before social media that I was pretty lucky and blessed to have that experience with and really helped when it kind of was like, okay, to put yourself out there. Cause I, I remember even two people like being really, really weirded out, like by Instagram when it first came out, like, oh my God, you're actually posting your face and your, 
your you Same. on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like just for food, which I did that too. And I still think Instagram is one of the most amazing food platforms. <laughs> still, mm-hmm. it's like started as food and, and travel. Yeah, too. and travel. trees and beach and yeah, just like not pictures of you. So I actually, you know, some of my most people even too are like, oh, what are your most popular pictures? One of my most liked pictures of all time is actually just a tree. So I, I, I'm really proud of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, having that experience and doing all the stuff was helpful. Before. Yeah. And I think having real life experience of, you know, just working with brands and doing like my career before really did help kind of lead into doing stuff on social media and working with people just because I understood the workflow and I understood marketing because Mm -hmm. again, I had sponsors even when I was like 10 years old. So I had to like report to someone and they were like, what are you doing? Why are we paying you this money? You know, when I was a kid and I used to have to write pitches basically or like so proposals to get a sponsorship then and it's like kind of the same thing I do now (laughs) so this is a little more sophisticated and yeah I think all that made it very easy for me and pretty seamless yeah and it's I mean when I hear this it's just incredible because you know again like you mentioned when we were younger in the early 2000s when you started doing this like who knew that Instagram was going to be what it is, you know, and I I remember when I thought it was just like a photo editing app and I was very resistant to put any photos on there in the beginning. I remember us having a conversation one time about when you first started posting pictures of yourself in a bikini, which two things to say about this. First of all, now knowing what people are posting on Instagram it was such a wild like idea at the time to imagine women putting themselves naked on the internet like this on on their own personal pages it just was unheard of but in your circumstance it's almost like that was your profession like you lived in a bikini this was you had a reason for it and so it wasn't so shocking for you to have to do that and on top of it you had been in the magazines that in in your surf uniform (laughs) in magazines before so I think that it's so cool just the progression and how things build because I think it's difficult for people sometimes to find a career or to have a vision and you never like it's almost like when you're in it you can't sometimes see beyond the reality that you're living right now right like who like when you were going through your career, we didn't know that social media was going to be a platform that you could then have more control over your own media presence, you know, and I just think it's it's so interesting to watch that unfold. And so let's talk about that when I know um, you had a video too, that went viral at one point of you dancing before one of your, your uh, surf competitions, and then also leading into posting more pictures of yourself on Instagram. So let's touch into like the transition of all those things yeah no totally like I mean again when I started Instagram and started showing you know myself more than like food and things like that like people especially in the surf industry were like really like negative really taken aback really like oh my gosh you're posting yourself in a bikini on the internet 
And that alone, no matter like, even if it was a shot, even if it was me surfing, people were like, really like weirded out because I think it also was a time of like privacy. And I think like people were like, you're, you're putting yourself on the internet, which is a hard thing still in general, like, cause there is a privacy thing and there is like, it is a pretty personal thing, sharing your life and what you're doing and where you're at, like with the world. So for me, you know, it was definitely kind of weird because like I did, like you said, have the context of like, I was like at an event or I was doing something like for my job, which my job at the time was being paid to surf and be at an event or, or to be doing videos, surf videos, uh, photos, etc. So yeah, it was interesting. And to see where now it's gone with uh, people in bikinis on there. Yeah. Funny. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, but I think it's cool because I think again, surfing isn't one of those sports that is a national league for it's global. Yes. And there is an organization, but it still lacks like a huge audience within the league. So what I think social media has done for a lot of female sports athletes that are in action sports or surfing or snowboarding or anything is that like it's given them their own platform and sometimes their audiences are bigger than natural competitive league, which is like something to be said and something really cool for females in general, because you know, even for surfing, it's always been you're the second fiddle to the guys. And now mm-hmm. a lot of the girls in general from Instagram are more popular than the guys. And so I think, you know, it's pretty cool to look back. And even though I was like, I'm not going to say super bullied, but definitely not like welcomed by doing it, that now it's kind of changed the industry a bit and kind of made people think like, oh my God, okay, like look, you know, because again, it's one of those things where all tides rides the boats, all the boats kind of mm-hmm. theory. <laughs> I'm not saying sure if I'm saying that right. Yeah. But but yeah, no, I think it's definitely cool to see where sports and social media has gone in general. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of female athletes, like even in sports that are again are not mainstream like I've seen a lot of pro uh, Olympic skaters like very niche sports or runners just because they're posting themselves and obviously there is some kind of when an attractive woman posts pictures of herself it's more popular and being you know to be has a tendency to attract a bigger audience but it's cool that through that, you're able to almost promote a sport or give women a voice that they didn't really have before. And and it doesn't make it a competition between the guys and the girls so much anymore for the spotlight. It's like giving equal opportunity in a way for women to also be seen and be heard and yeah, be seen on social media. Yeah, totally. I think also, like you said, it it, it is elevating the sport too, like attention to mm-hmm. these that are, there's a lot of cool sports that you just really don't know of much, or you don't see it on TV. I think that's the big thing. It's like, you see like basketball, baseball, football, and there's football. soccer. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's kind of a theme is that like even a lot of like football, for example, it's like that's not really a female element. I mean, there's some girls coming up actually that's kind of interesting. But like, you know, there could be a lot of different sub niches within even these bigger sports of girls that like can be seen on social media, whereas like before they just would be lost. Yeah, lost in the in the background. Yeah. I, it's pretty interesting looking at it from that perspective. Going into your experience as an, a very early influencer, give us some insight into that and how you've kind of evolved from the start of it and how maybe things are different or how it's changed for you. I definitely think having a social media presence and social media marketing influencer world and stuff has changed a lot. I think it went from even in advertising being like a second fiddle afterthought to now a lot of brands are making that their number one priority, right? And it's actually like taking over a lot of traditional like advertising. And I think the influencer culture though has changed for good and bad. I think what's really cool is that there is so many influencers now and there's so many niches within the internet now. Now it's like if you like outdoor hiking in this part of the world, there's probably like an influencer who does it or like it it can go down so many sub niches. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think it's pretty cool that like on the internet, like you can do whatever you want. <laughs> like you yeah. can literally be like, I am going to do like a cooking account that cooks only X, Y, and Z. And I am going to wear this and I'm going to do this. And like, that can be your thing. And like, I think that's what's kind of cool with the influencer world is like the creativity that goes into it. I think. Yeah. Yeah now because it's been known and like there's a lot of information out there like how to make it your business and how to make it your career and how to make a living of it i do think there is a lot of like false narratives with that and i think there's a lot of good and bad right i think from a business standpoint like anything is that if there's a market and it becomes saturated it's definitely more competitive and it's one of those things where to make a career out of it full time is often, I would say, more time consuming than a full time job. It could be like double or triple. And so that's what I tell anyone and at least what I've seen with like the industry in general, because there is so many sub niches, there is so many cool things on the internet. Like you have to take it like a job, you have to take it seriously, you have to show up, you have to be responsible. You know, I think I've seen a lot of influencers have really bad work ethic and really bad responsibility, time management, et cetera, because they think they've built this platform and they have all these eyeballs and numbers and it's going to last forever. And I've actually seen a lot of people go from being this like top in demand influencer to, you know, having kind of like a bad reputation and not following through and not being professional, not treating it like a real job and them kind of ending up in a like not great space where like 
nobody wants to work with them because there is, there's so many people now who want it and who are willing to work hard. And that's what I've seen is that those people have longevity and also like, you know, they treat it like a real business and not like a second fiddle sort of vibe. <laughs> so mm-hmm. those like an afterthought. <laughs> Yeah. And those people definitely like succeed. And that's what I've been seeing more and more that like the culture of it being just like a casual thing. It's like, no, like a lot of people actually that are top influencers, like have gone to school, have MBAs. They come in with a set mindset of like, I'm going to make this a career versus just like, okay, like I'm famous now, like things should just happen to me. And I think that did exist for a little bit. Like, I think there was a lot of people who would be like, okay, yeah, cool. But then now just because of how big the internet is, like, Mm -hmm. I don't see that going on much longer for those types of people. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it is a full-time job. Like, I mean, I don't know how people do it. Like you literally have to make your full-time job. I I had a hard time just, just posting on my Instagram for years and I never really had a, I wasn't that consistent, but I mean, you know, doing this podcast now and trying to keep up with social media, it's, it's, it is. So I commend you. And I, like I said, when I would watch you kind of preparing to work with brands or when you got stuff in the mail and you would have to film for it or talk about it or post for it, it is, it's like a lot of thought goes behind this. So the more professional you can be. Yeah. And I think like, that's my advice or my takeaway from anything is that like you want to do the best that you can and I think that just was driven into my mindset as like an athlete as like okay this is like your goal your task your person you're working with like you need to do the best for them and you know I think again I think that there does need to have a little more conversation in the influencer world of like, yeah, like it, and anyone who creates content and posts, they, they get it. They know, like, you know, like how it, it, it is time consuming and you want to be good. And that's like, also like a thing that I see a lot of people struggle with where it's like, they're unsure of how it's going to do or what they should post and different things. And I think, you know, at least the people that I've seen be successful, they kind of get rid of that. They're just kind of like, I'm going to be show up, be consistent and just go for it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great advice. So from somebody who's been doing this since, uh, beginning (laughs) take some take some pointers from her (laughs) on that note like so now you said you compete sometimes and you some of your passions are making content you're always traveling cool places I think you're like one of the coolest people I know not just because of your personality but just like the experiences that you've had in life and the and the opportunities that you've had to travel and do all that stuff so tell us a little bit about that because I always think it's so fun to live vicariously through you. Yeah, no, I think traveling and doing things that like, I was very blessed to travel at a young age and kind of get a grasp of the world and realize like there's a world outside of America. (laughs) And, you know, having lived different places too really kind of opened my mind up because 
I think it's pretty easy. And like, you know, I grew up in some of the most like beautiful places in the world. And I think it's pretty easy just to like get stuck in your bubble and that mindset of like, just being like, okay, this is my life. And this is like how people are. And this is like how it works. And I think for me, like, I love feeling like a little bit like, oh my gosh, I've lived like multiple lives. And I think that's something that I've seen with a lot of people that I know recently is that like people want changes or people want to like maybe try or do something else. And I I think you need to do what you're feeling and like what your body and your soul and your heart or whatever it is, is like telling you to do because at least my personal opinion as people, like we were meant to like migrate a bit and like go around and do new things and like not be necessarily like in a routine, like stagnant. Yeah, stagnant. But I also think that like routines and being like settled is very good. And I do think that sometimes you do need to like try new things to appreciate that also too, because, you know, even a lot of my friends that have careers or jobs that is like a nine to five and is maybe like not the most exciting. They kind of have this grass is greener thing. And I think it's one of those things like they maybe should experience that a little bit just to have appreciation for their like current life and not feel like FOMO or like, oh my gosh, I want to work remote. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I think that's something too, that like, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, oh my gosh, blah, blah. But I'm like, you know, there is very positive attributes to like finding something you love that is stable. And that is like a schedule. Like, again, a lot of good things come from that. So I think it's finding your balance. I'm like, oh yeah, you should travel and be a migrant, but also like (laughs) do this too. So I think it's like having that experience if you can with traveling and also like figuring out how to travel um, now is a lot easier and there's ways that you can budget, you know, even like doing traditional like Airbnbs where you stay in someone's house, like go for it. Like I think some of my best experiences have been like where I was like, I had $20 and I was going here and I like was like, I am going to figure it out. Yeah. And it's so cool how like you meet so many different people and you and I met on a photo shoot with Shay so randomly. And it's just funny how you make friends and we just always, we just hit it off and like always just randomly would hang out and see each other a bunch over when you were living in Miami at the time. It was cool. And I always appreciate that because no matter like, you know, months and months can go by and we could just like pick up where we left off. And I always think that's like one of the most valuable things in life are the relationships that you build. And like you said, being able to experience new places, it's really cool when you then meet friends that are from a totally different, you connect with people, I should say, that have a totally different lifestyle or past than you do. It's just, yeah, it's really fun. And uh, I also wanted you to give us your insights on a conversation that we were having about dating, because I'm always asking you if you know any single guys to meet up with. And we always end up talking about relationships and guys. And, you know, I was telling you a little bit about what I was learning in school recently. And just when we were catching up, you were asking me about my dating experiences. And I was filling you in on the last bit of, of that. So 
I love that conversation that we were having about how expectations these days can almost be like a killer of your happiness and your, you know, and almost sabotage something that's good or how, you know, some people can find themselves being unhappy because they want this, this, and this, but then they expect a guy who's doing X, Y, and Z to have all the time in the world to give them and to be thinking about them all the time. And yeah, so let's, let's talk about that. No, totally. I think it's such an interesting thing right now. And I think it actually ties into a lot of things in the world that we live in, which is a lot of social media, right? And a lot of Mm -hmm. people seeing people or reading things or just like, having a lot of options even too like I know dating apps are like more popular than ever and that is what a lot of people do you know I met my guy on a dating app I am all for it but I also think there's like a lot of negatives that come with that too and I think what I've been seeing and just talking to a lot of peers and this is like guys girls whoever that the older you get, the more of a expectation list or like a checklist you have of your partner. And I think what I've seen is like, people will meet great people. And I'll talk to a lot of my friends about dating. And then they're like, well, he doesn't do this, or he is not on this part of my checklist. And I think, you know, kind of having these unrealistic expectations of people is really bad and sad because I see a lot of great people kind of X out people because like maybe like they don't like that they don't do this or they don't like this type of food or like they don't like to go out and they don't like to do XYZ. And so I think having more, not to say like realistic expectations of a partner, but realistic of like, you know, nobody's perfect. Right. And that finding someone that you connect with and have a great feeling with and that your lifestyles and your, I think the most important thing is like goals. I think goals and what you want is more important than, you know, some like superficial stuff. And I think, you know, not even from a look standpoint, but like, you know, of uh, what, people want out of a partner, you know, and it, it, it is yeah. kind of wild when I hear some people I know do lists and then I'm like, well, where are you on this person's list? Like, do you want, do you want someone to sit there and say, oh, you know, you have to be a certain height or you have to be a certain look or you have to have a certain job or you have to have a certain social calendar like you know whether that be you going out saying in whatever but like and often the question is when someone when you ask someone who has kind of a list that I found is that they are like oh like what and I'm like well <laughs> you yeah. want all these things like you need to be you know that that, to that too yeah <laughs> for someone to come with the list that's even crazier, you know? So what I've been seeing a lot is just a lot of unrealistic expectations. And, you know, a lot of times, at least with women, what I see with guys with dating is like a time thing. They like a lot of my friends want more time 
more attention, more emotional um, uh, connection, connection and things like that. And I think, again, if you look back in history, a lot of communities were kind of like very female, right? So you would have the group of females and you would get sometimes this support from other people besides your mate, right? Your male counterpart. So I see a lot of people and I'm not saying, oh, there's not like emotional or like guys that can be your best girlfriend out there. But I also think that like having that expectation that like if a guy doesn't want to like sit on the phone and talk to you about your shopping for like three hours that like that doesn't mean he doesn't care and love you it's just that like he's not your girlfriend (laughs) yeah I'm a total firm believer in that like there are things that you just don't discuss with a guy just because he it's like guys aren't supposed to be almost like your emotional sounding board like that's why you have friends almost so you can hash out certain things I mean obviously if it pertains to your relationship and you need to communicate with the person and you both need to be on the same page that's you know everyone needs love attention from like their partner but when it comes to like complaining I don't think guys a a lot of women don't understand guys don't want to hear you complain about whether it's your mom, your girlfriend, like talk to your friends about that shit and leave your man out of it because I think it would be a healthier thing for your relationship. And then kind of what you were saying to when a woman is expecting this guy to be this high achiever and, you know, making X amount with the X amount of job, but also to be like super cool. And then also sit there and like do all these romantic things for you all the time. And then have time to just make you feel like the most important person in the world. I think, yeah, it is interesting to kind of step back and look at your expectations to say, well, if a guy's working all the time to make the salary that I want, is that really realistic to then expect him to be available to plan romantic things for me all the time and be home for dinner with me? You know, I don't, I, I guess that that doesn't really make sense. And again, the social media aspect of it these days is really, I think, think negatively influencing people's expectations of what's real just like you know the movies they say Disney used to create these unrealistic fairy tale scenarios for girls about what to expect your prince charming to be and I think with so many options and so much like fake just snapshots of of moments in time do not show a whole story. And I think people start getting these almost delusional expectations just to even show off to other people. And it's like, I don't know, there's always with whether it's on Instagram or dating apps, I think people are devaluing a real connection with someone because there's always a better option out there, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like something that why I find what you're studying now and what you're going into like so interesting because I do think there is some like human nature thing to like want more like I do like I think people it's very often no matter who the person is that like people are like always content right and so I think knowing that but then having like digital world influence like more of that where it's like you're saying like even too like it's very easy to go on Instagram during Valentine's Day for example and see 
you know, all this stuff. And it's like, okay, like, you know, someone's like getting someone like hundreds of roses and balloons and like this gift or this trip or this, that, and like, who knows what their actual relationship's like. I mean, it could be awful. This, they, you know, whatever, but online it looks great. And I think, you know, or maybe it is, but like, I think having that, like, oh, like, you know, so-and-so's partner did this and that in the back of your head is, it's almost hard not to like sit there and compare or like to look it's it's very hard not to be like affected by social media i do i think it's like even if you are really headstrong and stuff i think it's just finding like that balance of like okay what is this and this information i'm taking in versus like how i feel in the world you know so I think what you're saying, though, and kind of like the culture, though, is very short term, like, this is good now, maybe something's better, you know, I'll look around, whatever. And I think that's really sad. You know, I do. I think it's like, because, again, more valuing like the real things, which is like connection and uh, goals and like different things that you can like grow with someone is also like, I think traditionally like so good that like that gets lost if you're, you know, looking at people or like swiping or whatever, you know, like. Yeah. Your ability to really actually build a connection with someone and build something. I mean, that's why you should want, I think, to be with someone to build a life together because no relationship is going to be perfect ever. And it's not, there's always going to be challenges or like a need to compromise and meet in the middle with people. But yeah, I think if your focus is always on like, look, you know, looking like around, you know, if someone's sitting in front of you, it's like, Oh wait, is that guy hotter or like richer? You know, it's like, yeah. or is that I, girl got bigger boobs, you know? Like, yeah. And I think, I think what's interesting now too, and like not even saying from like people looking to date people, but just like communication in general, like something that I kind of think about sometimes is like, how we could be communicating one-on-one and I be on my phone having five different conversations and whether that be work, family, friends, whatever, is that like having that balance of like when you're hanging out with someone that you're like actually present. And like, I think it's very easy also to have conversations with people that and it's good and bad, right? Like, it's like, I could be talking to you and you're across the world and I could be out to lunch with my friend, right? And so it's like this also weird intersection of like real life, digital life, kind of like coming together in a way because it's like texting is talking, right? Texting, messaging on Instagram, doing whatever. And I think it it can, you can kind of, maintain relationships or maintain conversations with people who aren't in front of you, but you, it could take away from when you are actually like hanging out with someone. Again, if it's dating friends, family, whoever work, even like it's, it is hard. It is a challenge. I think for people now just to like have that disconnect too, which I think is also like interesting when it comes to like dating specifically because like again it's just like you it's really hard for people to disconnect and that's just kind of like the world we live in like even with work and stuff it's like the traditional like 
you hang out with someone or you're off work. It's, it's not usually like that for a lot of people. So I think it's like finding that time. That balance too, because it's so funny that you're saying this and you brought this up because I was recording a podcast with another girl like a week or two ago. And we literally talked about how rude it is when you're sitting with somebody, you know, depending on the context, if you're like, Hey, I have an hour to meet, but I'm working, you know, and I, you know, need to take a call if it comes. But if you're sitting with somebody and supposed to be spending time with them and they're just like this the whole time on their phone and you're, you know, not paying attention to what you're saying it could be very frustrating and especially not only just with friends, maybe not so much if, you know, that's your relationship with their friend, you can yeah. hang out for hours and just both be on your phones in silence because I have a friend that that is the scenario, but it is nice. And, and I mentioned on that um, interview too, that the last two guys I dated, I felt more connected to them I think because when we were together like we were together we were present neither of us were on our phone we spent our time talking or hanging out or watching a movie together whatever it might have been that we were doing we definitely like they definitely didn't have their phone out the whole time which makes you feel like the person cares about you you know whether it's your friend or or a someone you're with, you know, romantically involved with. So it's, it's a very important point. And I think it's funny that you brought that up again, because I think this is a big, like a big, I guess, like the elephant in the room these days with everybody being so on their phone all, all day, 24 seven. Yeah. And I think it's good. And I think it's to have that, like, okay, you know, and again, it's like, you can't tell someone, Hey, don't be on your phone. Like that's, I mean, you can, but like, I think it's something that like, especially like, again, friends, dating, whoever, it, it, it decreases your level of getting to know someone and someone be present. And I think more than like, you know, let's say people always looking for a bigger, better, prettier girl or whoever, it's like to focus just on what's in front of them and like, actually get to know people and not be distracted and again whether that be with like work family friends whatever but like having that and I think that's something that is refreshing when you are around people whether it's your friends or a guy you're dating or whoever that like that they do respect that and they they draw that boundary because I think right now it is difficult for people to draw that boundary and it because it is very socially accepted like it wouldn't be that weird if you're hanging out with someone and they check their phone because it could be an emergency it could be this and i think the culture of that has changed whereas before it was like rude almost now it's like oh you know whatever like it's just how people live their lives in the digital slash overlap with your real world but yeah i think like that's what i would say would be a great you know thing when you're getting to know anyone in your life to mm -hmm. have as much presence. <laughs> no, and I think it's important too for people to be aware of this anyways, because what just popped into my head too is I'm taking developmental psychology right now. And it reminds me because I have friends who have kids. And if you are on your phone, like it's it's very there's a very important phase in a child's development, you know, from 
birth to I think three or five years old where they need to feel seen and heard by a parent. And it could be very damaging for your child's development when they are trying to interact with you. You're staring at your phone the whole time because it's a barrier between them being able to relate to you. And the only way that they know how to is by having you look at them and give them your attention, you know, and it's very important for how they attach to their parents and how they learn to relate and interact with other people from that stage on, you know, on in life, because it like very much shapes your ability to attach in relationships later in life. So it just reminded me, because I do have friends that literally stare at their phones and they're like constantly tap, 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 tap on the phone, like texting. And I'm just like, and their kids are just like following them around or cry, you know what I mean? I'm just like, oh. That's definitely interesting. And like, I think that's going to be something you're going to see like residual effects from growing up with like the younger generations that, you know, it like it, it is kind of crazy to think that is so important. And like that isn't probably really chatted about, right? Because again, it's just very, it's not weird to be on your phone with people. So if it, even with a kid, it's like, I didn't know that. Like I, I was like, hmm, makes sense though. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Not only does it affect adults, it really affects children, you know? So yeah. the next time you guys want to just throw your kid in front of a screen, maybe uh, consider, yeah. consider taking, you know, 20, 30 minutes with them to play with them with their toys or something, you know, it's just like you said, to see how that affects life and people's development for the younger generations to come. Yeah. Just even more disconnection, you know, but anyways, (laughs) on on that note, Anastasia, (laughs) on that high note, yeah, just, I'm, I appreciate you coming on today. Like I said, Anastasia, you're one of like the coolest, most nicest, positive. I never hear you talking bad about anyone. And I think you're just a really great person to be out there influencing because I think it's really important to have people who are really authentic. And when I think of the word authentic, you definitely are someone that I can say I know in real life and who has a a large following on social media and you are who you are and there's no incongruency there between who you are on social media and who you are in real life. So I appreciate you being here and sharing your story. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we sign yeah. off? No, I, uh, I appreciate everything that you do. And thank you for the kind words. I know that I've told you this too, and just talking. And I think what you're studying and the realm of your content and everything is so cool and needed now, just because again, like you mentioned, like being authentic and being real. And I think there is a lot of nonsense on the internet and a lot of negative, I would say culture and things around it. And I think it is really important of what you're doing with like inner beauty and speaking to, you know, be bigger than what people think, right? Or that what you put out. And I think that's really important, especially in like today's landscape of like what people think beauty is. And I think it's really cool what you're doing. And so 
yeah, no, I'm super stoked to done this pod with you and talk to you as always, you know, we could ramble on for a long time. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's just because we align on a lot of different levels when it comes to that. Um, and I think that's pretty cool that what you're doing and, and sharing that message. Thank you so much, Anastasia. And if people want to connect or find you on socials, where can they do so? Tell us your Instagram and everything. Yeah, so all my accounts are just under my name, Anastasia Ashley, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you name it. I'm probably on there somewhere. Um, but yeah, I'm on there. So check me out, you know, and say hello. Yes, and you can find, um, if they want to see you surfing, they can find that on your Instagram and also YouTube, right? Videos of you throughout your career on YouTube. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of on a, every platform, you know, I think you kind of have to be on some level. Um, I don't post on YouTube as much as I should, but you know, it's, it's fun. It's definitely the most challenging work um, because of the length of the videos, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. But they can look, you know, if they want to see you surfing in, in your competitions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So there's archival s s shots on there for sure. <laughs> and one more thing I want to say to you. So when you were talking about like helping people and being willing to, you know, give people advice, I'll never forget. And neither will my two little cousins. Yeah. When you came up, when you were up in like Jupiter that one day and my little cousins and we came and met us at the beach and taught my cousins how to surf. They just thought that was the coolest thing. And I always yeah. thought that was so cute and so cool that you surfed with my little cousins and showed them and they ended up going to surf camp after that like a few summers so anyways yeah she's such a sweet person that just that just shows who you are as an as a person too to take the time to do that yeah I love that they took that experience and like wanted to do more and like we're stoked you know and I think that's what's really important is like just helping people or like showing them like, okay, here, like you can do this, you know? And I think being a girl, especially like still, it's like, even though there's a ton of girl surf stuff out there, it's still intimidating. Um, so yeah, so I was super glad I was able to like show them and they, yeah. they were, they're pretty cool cousins you have though. I'll say that I was pretty, <laughs> proud of those. They're, they're an easy, uh, easy, easy girls to work with. So and I just to wrap it up to say one more thing, <laughs> we're going to go on for the next yeah. hour just complimenting yeah. each other. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to say, too, that is something very cool, I think, that can be attributed to you over your career, just for like being one of the people who like forged a path for other athletes and other females to just be present and have a presence online and to get exposure to things that people normally wouldn't see like outside of mainstream media. So anyways, thank you, Anastasia, for sharing your work, for being such a great savvy businesswoman and having such a great work ethic and being just a very genuinely awesome human. We'll continue this conversation once again, probably in person or on a call. So, yes. Yeah. So we'll talk later. But thank you for being here today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you got some valuable takeaways from this episode. Info will be in the show notes, but the Inner Beauty Code podcast is available on all major listening platforms. Don't forget to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 